By the time you hear this podcast, perhaps you'll go down in history. You know Dasher and Dancer, Rancher and Vixen, Comet and Cupid, Donder and Blitzen. But do you recall, what's that? The most famous reindeer of all. Come on! Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it goes. Come on! Come on! All of the other reindeers used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer game. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to see. What's that? Rudolph with your nose so bright. Oh, you got my slate tonight. Then all the reindeers loved him. And they shouted out with glee. glee. Rudolph the red nose reindeer. You go down in history. Forever. You go down in history. Forever. You go down in history. You go down in history. You go down in history. Now get it. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. Ed, you got you on the right. No, I don't. Here we go. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ben. Yeah, there we go. Oh, almost fell. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are back with episode 134. Um, appropriately, the, you know what? I was trying to make a reference to Miracle on 134th Street. I, I just can't do it right now in the moment. So, <laughs> welcome to episode That's classic, 134. Right? <laughs> <laughs> episode 134. By the time you have this podcast, uh, if you don't know where to find us by now, um, Ben was just telling me that you said it was an article you're reading, right? No, uh, it was a, or a pod, podcast. It was to. the um, the the athletic, the one that they do, and they're just like, "Why are we?" I mean, they're like, you know, unless we're like hyping up some specific service, <laughs> like we're not an exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> you can find <laughs> us anywhere. <laughs> so just look, <laughs> yeah, you can find us anywhere. Google us. Uh, anywho. So um, we are back with another episode. So uh, let's just jump into some music news, man. Whoop, whoop. So um, I told Ben we need to talk about this when we, you know what? I'm going to start with the charts, kind of get that part over with. All right. So uh, the Hot 100, um, I don't, uh, anyway, the number one song in the country. Is moved by 24K Golden, featuring Ian Dior, or however you pronounce his name. Uh, the number two song, this happens every year. All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Dust her off. <laughs> Go ahead and dust her off. Um, so, uh, I mean, this this is like, like the whole month of December is Black Friday for Mariah Carey. Yeah. At this point, this <laughs> doesn't have to do anything. I almost feel like it's a meme at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, number three, Positions by Ariana Grande. Great song. Woof. Uh, number four, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee. That's a, I haven't seen that one on the charts at Christmas time in not, a while. Not this high. Definitely yeah. not this high. Uh, number five, Dakiti by Bad Bunny and Jay Cortez. Number six, Laugh Now, Cry Later by Drake and Lil Durk. Number seven, Holy, Justin Bieber featuring Chance the Rapper. Number eight, I Hope, Gabby Barrett featuring Charlie Puth. Number nine, Jingle Bell Rock. Wow, people are really getting Bobby in the mood this year. Okay. Uh, another classic. And uh, actually, I was looking to see, like, is this their highest, charter, highest charting position? 
uh, Rocket Around the Christmas Tree actually peaked at number two, okay. whenever that was, and Jingle Bell Rock had peaked at number three. Okay. Uh, and number ten, Dynamite by BTS. Uh, I saw a commercial for some Samsung earbuds, and uh, Dynamite was used in the commercial. And I feel like that's like the third or fourth commercial, different commercial that it's been used in. Hmm. Uh, so yeah. Um, but this, uh, some other Christmas songs have re-entered the charts. Yeah. Uh, Sleigh Ride by the Ronettes. Uh, Holly Jolly Christmas by Burl Ives. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year by Andy Williams is number 12. Police Navi died. Um, the Christmas song, uh, that King Cole's version last Christmas by Ram by Wham. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's just, uh, it's that time of the season. People are just really, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these are having a little bit more of a, a rise just because people aren't, hopefully, aren't going out as much. You're at home. You're probably listening to more Christmas music anyway. So it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so let's look at the Billboard 200. These are the albums. Debuting at number one, El Ultimo, El Ultimo Tour del Mundo by Bad Bunny. That means the last world tour? Something like that. Uh, number debuting at number two, Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus. Uh, have you listened to it at all? Because you're the only person I know that much. <laughs> Other than I think it's Midnight Train or um, the one that's very similar to um, Edge of Seventeen by uh, mm, Stevie Nicks. Nicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. This album is. I mean, she just keeps. I don't want to call her Madonna because I don't think she's as talented. But it's just like we're reinventing in, herself. Yeah, we're in another phase. We had the Hannah Montana phase, the pop rock phase, the hip hop phase. She did a kind of bluegrass phase a little bit, but on the last album, right. yeah. But no one really talked about it when she did the backyard concert. And now we have um, synth pop eighties um, gypsy woman phase. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know Mark Ronson worked on a couple of songs, if not the whole album. So yes, it's, I mean it's a, that song. Kind of the lead single is a great song. Um, and it doesn't shy away. There's a remix where they inter interpolate or mix it with um, Edge of Seventeen, so they're not shying away mm-hmm. from the comparisons. But um, like she, uh, you know, shout out to Brandon. We both kind of saw this. I can't remember if he if he pointed it out or not. But she has a she did a concert. I think at the Viper Room, if it still exists, or the Whiskey a Go Go, one of those legendary clubs in L. A. Um, and has a cover of Zombie. <laughs> Like the cranberry zombie, and it's not half bad. It's pretty good. Um, so she's just, I guess, when you're successful, you just do whatever you want. <laughs> just you know, you got um, the money. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, number three <laughs> is B by BTS. Uh, debut at it was debuted at number one last week, and it drops to number three this week. Um, <laughs> Number four, Positions by Ariana Grande. Number five, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke. Number six, Christmas by Michael Buble. Uh, <laughs> number seven, Good News by Megan The Stallion. Number eight, Folklore by Taylor Swift. Number nine, My Gift, another Christmas album by Carrie Underwood. And at number 10, Legends Never Die by Juice World. Um, number 12, 
because of other Christmas stuff being on here. The Christmas song by Nat King Cole is number 12. Uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas is number 14. <laughs> Mariah Carey's Merry Christmas is number 15. And uh, Pentatonix, the best of Pentatonix Christmas, and I think they've had like eight of them, uh, is that number 16. All right, let's look at the Artist 100. Uh, as we've told you, combination of radio play, social media presence, and album sales. Number one this week is BTS. They have an album. The album finally came out. So there you go. So much for their vacation. <laughs> Uh, that was actually a pretty lengthy vacation. Well, you know, we I we could we never looked at it as a vacation. Yeah. We felt like they got right back to work. Yeah, as soon as they went on vacation, it was like a week later or less. They're like making appearances. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number two, Bad Bunny. Uh, he has an album, the number one album in the country. Number three, Ariana Grande. Number four, Luke Combs. Number five, Morgan Wallen, who was on SNL last week. Okay. Uh, number six, Billie Eilish. Number seven, The Weeknd. Number eight, Harry Styles. Number nine, Miley Cyrus. And number 10, Pentatonix. <laughs> uh, some some artists known for their Christmas music that are high on the list. Uh, Michael Buble is number 11. <laughs> Bing Crosby is number 12. Uh, Andy Williams is number 18. Uh, <laughs> Frank Sinatra is number 22. Was the the was it gonna host a Christmas special with uh, Andy Williams? What was the joke? Um, Cleveland Junior. Yeah, uh, Pat Boone. I'm Pat, Pat Boone. Bo- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was looking for that. I was like, who was it? Okay. Um, Nat King Cole number twenty three. The Vince Guaraldi trio is number twenty nine. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so people are definitely getting in the spirit. Um, who did David Bowie do the Christmas his Christmas special with? Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They sang "Little Drummer Boy." Yes. And I think the story was Bing Crosby was nervous about having David Bowie, or he had no idea who he was. That's. I would love to. <laughs> I would love for there to be a documentary or just to get more information on that because it doesn't seem like it's something he would do. Yeah. It'd be like I'm trying to think of like, just like a pairing today that would make no sense. It's just like he's just like a it's like a psychedelic out there rock star, and you're like, hey, you want to sing to Christmas songs? <laughs> just like sure, and he behaved like he didn't. <laughs> it was weird, man. It's weird. Uh, speaking of David Bowie, there is a biopic coming out. Um, no, who's who's starring? Uh, I I don't recognize the guy. Oh, oh uh, he no. may be a, just a British actor. He does those films and TV over there, so I don't know much about him. <laughs> but I saw the trailer. <laughs> on Instagram and uh, it's basically about um, David Bowie having like an identity crisis around the Ziggy Stardust era. Interesting. Okay. As far it's as, just like, called Stardust. Yeah. Um, Johnny Flynn. Yeah. I, I didn't know. Never heard of him. He's a musician. So. So he might do his own singing. And he's from South, South Africa. So he's. Um, African American stuff. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, All right. I guess we'll see. I'm curious. I'm very curious. A lot of respect for. So uh, I guess we could talk about mostly in this in the music news segment is that uh, artists. Not we. I found two, but there are a couple more. Artists are selling the uh, rights to their publishing. 
Yeah, that's so. What David? Not David Bowie. Uh, Bob, Bob Dylan. Dylan uh, he has it. sold his entire catalog of six hundred songs to Universal Music. Um. Okay, I saw the eight hundred million, but it's closer to three hundred million. It's a lot of money, <laughs> but still a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, when I talked to Ben about this. Uh, what came to mind was the Michael Jackson buying the Beatles catalog for $48 million uh, in the early 80s. Yeah. So. Um, I wonder what that, let me see what that translates to. In today's money? Yeah. All right. Um, while he pulls that up, uh, this is one of the most lucrative music publishing deals ever made, $300 million. Um, over six decades of work. Of course, Bob Dylan has a Nobel Prize. He has sold more than 125 million records. Um, and uh, considered one of the greatest writers yeah. of our time, if not the, I mean, if not the greatest. Um, I know he was a different genre. So, I mean, if you're going that way, I mean, easily the most recognizable folk artist we've ever had. Yeah. Um, Song, he's in the Songwriting Hall of Fame. I, 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 I mean, I'm not going to look that up. I'm just going to say he. I'm sure he is. But it's just one of those things where I guess you can do that at the end of, you know, after your career, at the end of, at the end of your life. He's pretty old. So, I mean, maybe he's just trying to make sure that someone has control of them so no one fights over them. I, I yeah. don't know. You know, kind of like writing a will, so to speak. Now, uh, this is different from royalties. Well, yeah. So, I mean, essentially what they can do... And it's interesting because I, I think he was on Bomani's show, maybe not, when Sir Mix-a-Lot talked about it, how yeah. he almost sold his masters, his publishing. For Baby Got Back yeah, for but like he, nothing. Yeah, for like a million dollars. Yeah. That he was like, would have you know changed his life back then, a lot of money, but he's like, now, he's like, I can, I've got it, I've got the, everything, I've retained it. And he's like, and if somebody wants me to make a version of it, I can make it in minutes. He's like, oh, you want a version of Baby Got Back for... For this, cool, yeah, we'll go in the studio. We'll have it to you within 48 hours. <laughs> and he doesn't have to call anybody. He doesn't Nothing. have to make sure that. Because it's all his. Yeah. He can just he can just go get it done. Yeah. So uh, I guess if you're an older artist, it may, you know, what if you, you know, you don't really care about having that, you know. Well, conversely, like, you know, Taylor Swift's like fighting to get hers. Well, in this case, uh, for the difference for people just listening, the royalties is when you get paid for the song being mm-hmm. played. Uh, on the radio, whether it's streamed on Spotify or mm-hmm. Apple Music, uh, or in public places, in a movie, in a movie, <laughs> TV shows, yeah. Uh, even if it's on the playlist at the department store, mm-hmm. if you're still able to go there, wear a mask, um, <laughs> please. <laughs> and of course, the income from selling the albums mm-hmm. and singles. So you make money off of that. So uh, Bob Dylan and his estate in the future will still make money off of yeah, that. Yeah, they'll still get royalties, yeah. For the catalog itself, that gives the uh whoever has possession of it, in this case Universal Music, the right to license it mm-hmm. for TV and film. Yeah. I mean they've like ma- Bob Dylan would still make money off of that, but he has no say. He has no say over it. Mm-hmm. Right. It goes and it's and when we say masters these are the original recordings, or as close as you can, like, you know, of course, they're not giving him tapes. They've likely been digitized and things like that. But, yeah, this is the original recordings of those. They might have been remastered, meaning maybe they were digitized and 
different effects were added to them and stuff like that. That's what it really means to kind of remaster something. Um, but yeah, whatever you want to do with it, they can do. And uh, like I said, other artists are doing this as well. Uh, it's been revealed that Stevie Nicks uh, sold a majority stake in her publishing catalog for $100 million to the music publisher Primary Wave. Of course, as you mentioned, Taylor Swift. Um, she just wants her back. <laughs> her, uh, her publishing rights were sold to a private equity group called Shamrock. For more than three hundred million dollars, and Scooter Scooter Braun Scooter Braun is involved in that. <laughs> oh, she hates his guts, but yeah, Scooter Braun owns the Masters, and she has been. I don't even think he will let her buy them, so she's offered to pay. If they more. were sold for three hundred million dollars, you got three hundred million dollars. He she's offered <laughs> she's offered to pay whatever he wants, and he won't. Like at this point, I think he's just being a patty patty. Yeah, he just won't. I, it's like I don't like you, so I'm not gonna. But I think she's tried to get together investor groups to pay whatever it costs to get them back. Hence, why she just says I'm just gonna re-record them, and then I'm like, well, you're kind of being a patty patty too. Like, <laughs> why do you need to record re-record them? You even so she can like make that. money off of it. I mean, no, I get it. It's like you even sound I mean, well, like she that. she is making money off of like the streams and the sales, mm -hmm. but she wants to have control over you know whether they're used in film and TV. Uh, if someone wants to cover one of her songs, which is she funny wants control over that. Like her stuff's never used. I at least I never hear it on commercials. I hear it in memes on TikTok. Yeah, that's, that's about <laughs> it. Like I've. For her music to have been as successful and everything she as makes it money is, that, like it's, I've never turned on a movie and be like, "Oh, there's a T Swift song." Like it's, they wouldn't even use it in Family Guy. They just made fun of it. Like, <laughs> um, oh, did you find the the, the number? Yes. Yeah, so forty eight in nineteen eighty um, is worth one hundred and fifty one today. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it, yeah, it was. So still not even as much as what he sold it for. Well, and Michael Jackson didn't even get all the songs. He got 250 songs. I'm mm. sure the Beatles had more than that. As Probably far as not. what Lennon and McCartney wrote together. Mm -hmm. So he just had part of it. But it was the part that Paul McCartney wanted. <laughs> so, so bad. Um, he didn't get it. <laughs> so uh, some other uh, artists that have sold it, uh, from what I've seen here, um, Dolly Parton is considering selling her catalog. So I'd be curious to know what's making them want to sell their publishing, other than the artists that are like at the end of their careers slash lives. You know, for, you know, Lil Wayne, for instance, what made him sell his, you know? Well, yeah. Um, well, I think that some people think it's uh, like some wink, wink deal because he has been, he has pled guilty to weapons charges. Mm -hmm. And so if he sells the rights to his music, uh, that will keep him out of jail. Okay, that's interesting. Some people believe that. I don't know how how true that might actually be. Mm -hmm. um, uh, David Crosby says he is being forced to sell his uh, the his publishing rights. Um, but basically, they're saying that what what uh, I'm getting this article from the Guardian. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark. Mercuriatus, the founder of Hypnosis, and he's been a, he's uh, managed Elton John, Iron Maiden, Guns N' Roses, and Beyonce. 
Uh, he describes investing in music royalties as a better bet than gold or oil. Okay. And as there are uninterrupted returns when wider economic markets are struggling. So they go into some numbers about, you know, at the height of a global pandemic, um, how Spotify increased its revenue by 29%. Um, and how money is going up for artists who have older songs. Um, Nostalgia. <laughs> since 2013, annual revenues made by plays of Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer have increased by 150 per, 153%. Mm-hmm. And in comparison to CD sales plummeting, streaming's gone up. We've talked about that before. Um, uh, uh, we talk about Warner Music, uh, who has Ed Sheeran on their roster, uh, selling 1.9 billion in shares, and in increasing their market value. So. It kind of a combination of when you, um, when you sell your catalog and and like the to the the one of the big names, mm-hmm. they're going to use it, and you still make some money. Yeah. So it's like everybody wins. It's like kind of that situation almost, That's except you just have no control over what is done with your music, but mm-hmm. you'll still make money off of it. Yeah. I'm gonna. There's uh, also, a Forbes article I'm gonna dive into later, that kind of talks about why songwriters should do it, but I, I mean it's just a lot of it can kind of seems like a cash grab in a world where it's harder to make money off of music, you know. Um, that's what a lot of it kind of feels like. So as far as like just to get, I don't know. Maybe there. I don't know if there's an episode in this because I feel like there's more information than what we know. Mm-hmm. But the deal with uh, Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney. Uh, of course, the story is Paul McCartney told Michael Jackson he should get into uh, owning mm-hmm. publishing, and <laughs> Michael is like, mistake. "I'm going to buy your songs." <laughs> uh, and then in 2016, Sony acquired half of what Michael Jackson bought in the 90s and bought the remainder of the business for $750 million from the singer's estate. Yeah, because it was essentially the what was always the word was it was getting too expensive to hold on to the catalog. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just <laughs> so he had he had to let it go, which apparently he did not want to. He fought very hard to keep it, but no. ultimately just made more financial sense to sell it. So um, and then also. uh Let's see, Barry Manilow, who has more than 900 songs. Barry Manilow? And, and Blondie, yeah, uh, who has 197 songs, have sold the rights of their songs to Hypnosis. Uh, and they're one of the companies that offers people to cash in on their royalties. I'm um, very curious to yeah. see what this looks like in 10 to 20 years, though. I, I do think there, there could be an episode in here because... I'd be curious to see how often this has happened in the past and will some of these artists regret it in the future having done this. Uh, I'm I'm very curious. I didn't cuz I did not realize this was, you know, that big of a thing, but mm, I mean that's that's a lot of money, 300 million dollars. It's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> um 
trying to see if there's any other news. Well, uh, I don't. Did it come out already, or if it is coming out, Taylor Swift has a new album coming out. Yeah, it came out. Um, Evermore, um, second album this year, um, companion album to Folklore. So it's more of the same type of stuff. Um, collaborations with Bonnie Bear, because <laughs> I guess that's her new favorite thing. Um, and I think Haim also, who I, I I do like Haim a lot. Um, it's still not the album we thought she'd make, but it's the album, I guess. I mean, I guess when you start out young, you have to be deep by 31. <laughs> mm. You have to make the album you you would have made at 40 or 50 at 31 because you've been doing this since you were like 17. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like you don't want to be singing about the same pop stuff when you're 31. Cause apparently that's when she... She was trying to release it to coincide with her 31st birthday, which apparently is soon. I don't know when. I'm not a Taylor stan. Um, if you are out there, you know, drop us a line. But, um, yeah, so she's doing – she's semi-doing it like Beyonce did, her self-titled, where she's just not telling anyone. She's just, you know, she'll just send out a, a post on Instagram like, hey, yeah, this drops at midnight. Not quite like Beyonce, who really just – literally just snuck that thing on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> and someone's like, wait, is that a, oh my God, girl, I went to, I went to Spotify, well, not Spotify, but I went to iTunes, you know, just to listen to my Beyonce stuff. And I saw this thing with like black writing. It was Beyonce. Oh my God, she didn't tell nobody. Like, you know, so anyway, but um, she didn't quite do it like that. But I mean, she did the next best thing. It's an IG post. And hey, by the way, guys, dropping an album at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I imagine. By the way, guys, you know, if you're not busy, <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I listened to the first few tracks. It's not bad. It's, it's. I mean, it's your typical Taylor Swift fare. It's what you'd expect from her. Um, I think she's trying to go for. I don't. Well, honestly, I don't know what she's trying to go for. I mean, it. It. It seems like she's about to get her third album of the year Grammy. <laughs> yeah. Most mo- most for a female ever. Um, I still maintain she walks so or. Um, people like Michelle Branch walked so that she could run. <laughs> I will still say it, but I also still say the the the, the song that we're going to listen to later. I do think that someone like a Taylor Swift made something like this possible for her, but that's a whole other story. But yeah, it's just it's been very interesting just to kind of see, um, yeah, just to see her career. It's been a very interesting career. Be it would be essentially three albums of the year, all different genres. I'm trying to think if you've ever seen someone do that before. No, not not that I can think of. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that'll do it for our music news. Uh, protect your publishing and... Mm-hmm. Uh, read your contracts. Read your contract. Please read your contracts. And you may be able to sell it if it's the right thing to do. Uh, also, a shout out to the city of Oakland. They will be getting a versus battle between E40 E40 and Too Short. It's the Bay Area Brawl. <laughs> um, so, uh, Ben, tell us about your earworm of the week. So, shout out to Spotify, who is just lately coming through with the uh, weekly Discover lists, or Discover Weekly. Um, my God. <laughs> uh, this is a song by Katie Pruitt, who is from Atlanta. Shout mm. out. What's up? Um, so it was Nashville by way of Atlanta. Is that how you would say it? Cause she moved to Nashville or something like that. I don't know. Okay. Close yeah. enough. She got discovered in Nashville, but she's like, um, if you took John Mayer and mixed it with the Indigo Girls, maybe 
And I don't want to say that not just because she's a lesbian, but because she seems to have a little bit of influence from the Indigo Girls. Did a cover of um, one of their songs for, and this, this weirded me out too, CMT Pride Month. Didn't know they, yeah, CMT, CMT, Country Music Television People has a Pride Month. Hmm. (laughs) How did, what? So yeah, she covers one of their songs because she has a few songs on her album about coming out. You know, she was, she grew up in a strict Catholic school, went off to UGA and has has one song about how realizing, you know, she's at UGA, you know, trying to live. And a lot of, from what I hear, at least a lot of, you know, people who are gay will do this. They'll try to live the straight a straight life knowing that they're gay, and they you know it makes them feel weird. It makes them feel uncomfortable. She has a song called "Normal" about that whole experience. This is not that song. Um, this is just from this is one that Spotify put on my playlist and is really good. Some great guitar work. Some um, it's just really good stuff. Yeah. All right, so let's check it out. This is called Expectations. From the album Expectations by Katie Pruitt. And we will be right back. That is Expectations by Katie Pruitt from her album Expectations. Uh, I got Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, that. that was the other thing I kept trying <laughs> to think of. It's a little. She's got a little bit of Fleetwood Mac in there as well. Um, and when I say John Mayer, I have to because I feel like some people maybe stop listening to him by the time he made Continuum. You'd have to listen to like continue, not Continuum. Yeah, Continuum. That was the third album, wasn't it? Some people have stopped listening to him after like Room for Squares. They're just like. That was technically the first one. Yeah, some people stopped listening. They were just like, ah, you know, his, you know. Nah, that's enough. <laughs> like, by the time, like, if you were like, yeah, waiting on the world to change, like, oh, that's John Mayer? Like, the Marvin Gaye ripoff? That's John Mayer? <laughs> Do you remember Sanjaya singing that? Oh, God, it was so bad. Oh, God. Um. So, yeah, uh, you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist right now. All right, so... um. We started the show with uh, <laughs> uh, the power of the internet um, is why there's a studio version of DMX doing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, because it started off with a, as a, a meme or just a, a, a video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. He was doing a radio interview and it had to be around the holidays 
and someone asked him his favorite Christmas song. <laughs> and that's it. He's like, okay. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. And he, and he started like someone, I don't know if it was him or someone just started doing a beat on a table and he, and he rapped the song kind of how you, how you heard at the beginning of this episode. Um, and then like a year later, that that version came out. Man, the power. So yeah, the internet is undefeated, <laughs> and you can't tell me any differently. So we're doing it because five of our top five um, holiday themed songs, and um, yeah. So let's just get into it. Ben, tell us about your first honorable mention. All right. So my first honorable mention. Um, how do I say this? So it's like, I mean, it's a cover. I mean, the original itself is not a bad song. I guess it's just that after nearly 30 years, I just need something a little different. <laughs> so it is um, All I Want for Christmas, but it is by um, a band. And I mean, honestly, it's one of those generic punk bands. No offense to them if they ever hear this. Called Point North. Um. I don't know if it was ever put on one of those. I know there is a Punk Goes Christmas album. <laughs> I don't know if it was on one of them, one of those albums, but it would sound right at home if it was. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Every now and then I just want to hear some guitars, man. <laughs> like, it just sounds like, you know, you're kind of overproduced from the from the school of Bob Rock. <laughs> Let's just be real. It's, this is... I guess you can say it's his fault if you don't like it, or you can say it's our blessing. I don't know, but yeah, but I just, I kind of dig it. You know, it's like a, it's a new take on an old classic, one that apparently everyone listens to every year, <laughs> religiously. Yeah, it's a hit song again. Every freaking year. And it's just <laughs> like the ultimate stocking stuffer from Mariah Carey, just the cash. Just watching <laughs> it, just like the, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a bit of a, and I've, and I've heard a lot of different takes on this. Um, shout out to Alex Melton, who is a YouTube creator that I follow on Twitter. Um, he does country versions of punk songs and punk versions of country songs and everything else. And he has a punk version of this one, but it's a lot more kind of depressing. It's more emo, I guess you would say. Um, but yeah, he's he's really cool, and he actually responded to one of my one of my um, comments on his tweets last week. So that's dope. But yeah, I just I like this song, like because I've gotten tired of listening to the original. I don't know about you. I don't know if you're still. I, I mean, it's cool to hear it, but I'm not hearing it at the 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 rate to where it's the number two song in the country again, mm-hmm. or it's a it's a the album selling again. Yeah, well, I imagine some of that probably has to do with streaming. Because, I mean, it's just like, you know, they count streaming now in those charts. So everyone's going on Spotify. Everyone's going on Apple Music. It got, you know, it's on one, it's on those playlists. Like, I, I turned on a Christmas playlist. It's the first song. Oh, yeah. So it's like you can't, like, it's, at what point will it overtake, like, Jingle Bells and Joy to the World and stuff like that? <laughs> like, it's going to be, like, are they ever going to sing it in church? It's like turning your hymnals to <laughs> hymn number 847. All I want for Christmas. <laughs> I mean, it's, I feel like it's at that level of popularity. Well, I think also part of it is why the song has endured. Um, people can relate to it, and also, it's the last Christmas hit. 
it, like it's the last song about it, most recent song about Christmas mm-hmm. to become a hit. I can see that. That's I mean an original. That's song. enduring. That's an original song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. I still remember because I feel like we're both old enough to remember when this came out. I remember yeah. when this came out. Yeah, I, I remember when it came out. It was everywhere. The uh, video was everywhere too. And it got everywhere again when it was used in Love Actually. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> and then probably the last, because of like whenever streaming became a big part of charts of, of how the, the Hot 100 is determined, um, the last few years, it gets back up into the top five. I think last year it hit number one. Mm-hmm. And it may hit number one again this year. Yeah. Christmas is still a couple of weeks away. There's still time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my first honorable mention, um, actually you played it earlier, but not um, when we we're going through our list. But uh, this it was a different version that I like. And it's Carol of the Bells. Ah, good one. Uh, by a duo called The Bird and the Bee. Oh, they're good. They do the um, Hall & Oates cover album, right? Yeah. I dig them. Are uh, they American? Um, they don't sound American. I don't know. I'm going to look right now. Uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't It doesn't say. Oh, they're from L.A. Okay, I thought I saw L.A., but I wasn't sure. So they might as well be foreign. Let me stop. Let me stop. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the thing that I like about about this song um, is that I guess the you have to if there's a recording you have you can't just like record the vocals <laughs> you can't just um, you can't just sing it out I mean maybe some things have to be done production wise this is a song I feel like that has to be produced has to be layered yes like you're you're punching in over yourself yeah yeah I know what you mean. Because essentially before you stop singing one line, you're singing the next line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, I like I like how it how it is structured. And um, a lot of there are a lot of songs that a lot of a lot of versions of this that, you know, that have to do that. And mm-hmm. but this is this is one of my favorite versions because it's it's electronic and, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's very chill. Like I tried to be. So that's why I appreciate it. All right. What is your second honorable mention? So this one, every time I hear this, I think of Mean Girls. (laughs) 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 It's Jingle Bell Rock, um, but it's the version by Hall & Oates. um, Because I love Hall & Oates, who doesn't, right? But um, I mean, it's kind of one of those songs that's like, you know, it's kind of like it's rock but like 50s rock <laughs> like it's not like you know rock rock um but i love this i love this song just because it reminds me a of mean girls and it just it's kind of just one of those like you know it's kind of a i don't can you say it? it's a bop i don't know it's just because <laughs> i mean like a lot of the songs i like i guess i try to get away from how they're done traditionally and this is a song that like was never traditional Mm. So that's why I, I kind of dig it, you know? And then, of course, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time, Mean Girls <laughs> and the Plastics dancing to this um, in a way that would never be allowed in schools. Ever. Um, I don't even feel like it would have been allowed back then. <laughs> no. Nope. Um, 
especially with the mom filming it like she was but okay you know what would have been interesting is that that movie is what 2004 mm-hmm. so this was like three years before youtube or before everyone could like record something on their and cell just phone on the internet yeah and throw it on the internet immediately it would have gone viral oh instantly instantly <laughs> It would have gone viral. And we had all the think pieces mm-hmm. uh, on CNN and Fox News. Uh, it would have been interesting to see if what would have happened if it Now, came think out if that it time. came out today, though, it's a TikTok challenge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, is it a TikTok challenge now? I don't know. Be. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm I'm sitting in my house, you know, sometimes in my apartment, trying to think of TikTok challenges I can make up, you know, to make money. But I mean, if, if people are doing the Fleetwood Mac <clears throat> challenge. Yeah, I could totally see this. <laughs> But it's someone's just got to get because I mean essentially the shuffle challenges now are essentially I think born of the fact that Bruno Mars made a New Jack Swing album. Yeah. People went back, discovered New Jack Swing, saw the dances, called it a shuffle, and started just doing them on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Oh, you on didn't TikTok know about they, this? No, on TikTok they call it the shuffle. They call them shuffle dances. Yeah. And so they're all over. So like there's, there's, I'll show you afterwards. I'm sorry. It's the running man where I come from. So there's the running man. <laughs> there's all these dances. And the shuffle was actually. Uh, and they um, just call them shuffle. Actually, and when the, the shuffle era, I guess, or, or um, with uh, LMFAO, mm-hmm. with their, with Party Rock Anthem. Yeah. The dance they were doing, they were calling that the shuffle. Okay. And that came from, it was a type of dance they were doing in Australia. Gotcha. Okay. Which was the running man, but they were doing other <clears> stuff <throat> with it. Yeah. It's it's the running man and all of the variations of dances that you would see the fly girls on living in Living Color do. <laughs> and that's what they're calling hashtag shuffle challenge. God, so lame. Anyway. That was your second honorable mention. <laughs> Just wait until they thirty years from now they do the Harlem Shake challenge again. <laughs> so. And it's and it's neither Harlem Shake. It's not the 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 New York dance Harlem Shake, and it's not the the song the Harlem Shake. Mm, that probably was, something completely <laughs> it's something different. To, it's something else. Like oh, we're doing the Harlem Shake challenge. Like okay, <laughs> all right, talk tick. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my second album mention. Uh, one of the classics. Uh, I don't even know if he wrote this song. I'm gonna pull it up. But it is the Christmas song oh. by Nat King Cole. Um, if a song like this doesn't put you in the mood for the holidays, then nothing can, honestly. <laughs> That's how I look at it. Um, some people mistakenly call this chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Uh, that's too long a title, uh, first of all. And <laughs> Even for when it came out. <laughs> and who eats chestnuts? I feel like if it came out in the 80s, it would be chestnuts and then parentheses roasting on an open fire. <laughs> uh, agreed. Or if it was Fall Out Boy, chestnuts roasting on open fire is what reminds me of Christmas. Pete wins. <laughs> Let me stop. But no, yeah, I agree. I, I thought it was that too. Um, I never knew the name of this song. I just knew it was the Nat Cole song. <laughs> Nat King Cole. Um, wait, it, I'm trying to see if there was a... Uh, what, the Christmas song. Okay. It was written by Robert Wells and Mel Torme. Uh, but Nat King Cole has the most famous version, of course. Yeah. 
Um, and it says commonly subtitled chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Like I, okay. Um, but this this song is just quintessential holiday music. Mm-hmm. I think that it is it is endured, of course, you know, over seventy five years. So uh, it's a song that's just going to live on and on and on, and I appreciate that. And this version will endure and has endured and will live on and on and on. Yeah. Other people can cover it as much as you want, but I don't think anything beats this one. I think the only other, well, I mean, this is just me being a snob. Only person I would probably enjoy another cover by would maybe be Michael Bublé, but that's really He's about done it. it. Oh, he has? Okay. I imagine it'd be good just because he, anything he does is typically good. <laughs> and he respects the music he comes from. He he just knows what he's doing, so. Yeah. Uh, so that was my second album mention. Ben, number, number five. five. All right, so number five. Um, this is a song that instantly reminds me of Christmas. Thanks to Star 94. Um, Wonderful Christmas Time. Is that the name of it? Wonderful Christmas Time? By Paul McCartney. Um, the first Beatle on this list. Yeah, no, you thought I hated the Beatles, right? That's what you th- probably thought, people. I don't like the Beatles. <laughs> he likes them separately. I like them separate. He has an autographed Ringo album. I'm just kidding. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> people like, you know, someone said like, you know, you like fruit. You like cake. You would think mixing them together would be great. <laughs> no, fruit great, cake good, fruit cake. Nasty crap. Who is who is that again? Jim Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> Nasty piece of crap. I love the fruit. I love the cake. So, um, but man, this is one that like all throughout my childhood would get when I, well, after I moved to Atlanta, so like my teen years and older would get played on Star 94. And it just, it's just kind of one of those, like, it's such a cheesy song. And it's just, and like, God, God, I swear, like every song will be, a st- will have this staple, probably from now on, the sleigh bells. <laughs> like the sleigh bell becomes the hi hat <laughs> at Christmas <Yeah>. time. <laughs> that means Christmas. Yeah, it's just like you can sing a song about trapping, but if you put the sleigh bells, it's about trapping at Christmas. <laughs> I mean, how else does, how else does uh, East Atlanta Santa? Yeah, hey, that's a Christmas. You know, it's like you got to throw that. Throw that sleigh bell in there, man. It's <laughs> At this point, it's probably it probably comes standard as like a as a um as a file <laughs> on any doll that you get. It's just oh sleigh bell. All right, it's like are you making a Christmas song? Would you like help? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this just it just makes me think of like walking around in the snow and yeah, it's just one of those songs. Like if you're going on like a sleigh ride. You know, it kind of is like a Jingle Bells to me. It's just a fun song. And this was um, his first solo single uh, after Wings' final album. Really? So this is how he uh, he entered the world is simply Paul McCartney. Okay. Wings, a great band also. <laughs> but there are tons of covers of this. Diana Ross, uh, Hilary Duff. Demi Lovato, Kelly Rowland, Chicago, um, Hanson, The Monkees, MF Doom. Uh, <laughs> the Monkees in 2018? They're, they're, they're still here? Uh, okay, Dave Jones died a while ago. I guess Mickey Dold is like, it's my turn now. Um, <laughs> they're on their 13th album. Sit down, Monkees. <laughs> <laughs> 
and Lady Antebellum. I don't care. I don't care. It's, it's Lady Antebellum. It's Lady Antebellum. Nobody asked for this. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody asked for this. Stop it. Lady Antebellum covered it too. If I ever meet them, <laughs> it's like, um, no, it's Lady Eight. No, you're you're not Muhammad Ali, and I'm calling you Cassius Clay. You're Lady <laughs> Antebellum, and it's okay. But I'm off my soapbox. All right. What's your number five song? <laughs> <laughs> my number five song is um, Christmas Time is Here by the Vince Guaraldi Trio. Uh, I have not watched the Charlie Brown special. I know you love this song, though. <laughs> but yes, I do love this song. Um, I've not watched The thing either. that I appreciated <laughs> so much and what makes the Peanuts... Uh, stand out what makes peanuts stand out so much is that with the with the animation you have the jazz soundtrack mm-hmm. and they're the only kind of uh television programming that i've like really seen that to where like they didn't they really stuck with it like the like yeah. the music part wasn't a major wasn't like part of the plot line or anything they just made it like this is the soundtrack and this is kind of kind of the mood to put you in and it's a it's another one of those quintessential christmas songs for me Mm -hmm. uh to where you know if it doesn't make you think of the holidays (laughs) what what does um and to have like children singing this i hope it's children i don't know the history of this the whole history of the song um but yeah, I mean, this is a song that would be you should hear at you know elementary holiday recitals, and um, you know in department stores. Like it's just one of those songs that has adored again. There have mm-hmm. been many covers of it, but I love the original. Yes, the uh, the choristers from St. Paul's Episcopal Church in San Rafael, California, uh, which is fitting because Vince Guaraldi himself is uh, from San Francisco, so he kept it local. That's good. Uh, so yeah, that's my number five. So Ben, what's your number four? <clears throat> so this one has a weird history. Um, this one is "Do They Know It's Christmas" by Band Aid, and as a young lad, <laughs> I uh, I went to a daycare in Columbus, Georgia, um, with a woman who ran her name Miss Sue. Um, I doubt very much that she is still alive. If she is, she has, I would imagine she's over 100, if not close to 100, because she was, you know, probably in her 50s or 60s when I stayed there. And this was, you know, 20 plus years ago. So she, well, no, I guess I'm bad at math. So she'd probably be in her, maybe in her late 80s or 90s by now, I guess. But um, at Christmas time, and I guess I don't even remember it being Christmas time, but this song, I remember hearing this song. But didn't know what they were saying, you know, because, of course, we're listening to songs on phonograph, <laughs> on record players. And, and the audio is just not as clear if you don't have good speakers. But I just remember the do, 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 do. I, I remember Be that the world. Part. I remember that melody, like, succinctly. Like, it just stood out in my head. And I swear, maybe, like, 20 years later, randomly heard it on the radio and realized that was the song I had been looking for for all this time and instantly it brings back memories and it's not a bad song 
Um, Band-Aid, of course, they were, they're mostly British. Um, or all British, I think. Because I know, like, Boy George is on there. and There are a couple of American artists uh, on there um, in Band-Aid. Uh, yeah. Cool, Robert Cool Bell from Cool and the Gang. Uh, Jody Watley. Um, I think that was it. I don't know what, how they ended up in the studio that day. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they knew a few of these other people, but um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, found it to raise money for anti-famine efforts in Ethiopia. Um, I mean, it was just kind of their thing. And I mean, it is kind of, it's endured. Some people have tried to, I think well, there's, they've done different versions of it. Um, yeah, that melody, I'm telling you that, it's such a good, you know, yeah. Um, let's see, where are the are there covers? I thought there were covers of it. Uh, there's a, oh, there was a remake in, in 1989 produced by Stock Aiken and Waterman. <laughs> I, I kind of want to find out what that version sounds like. Does it sound like a... A dance club hit? Like They're like, yeah, we can play this in the clubs. <laughs> they would they would get them to do it. They're like, they're probably the hot producers at the time. And it's just like we want some of that hit factory energy. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, look at the artists though. They had like some of the Bananarama. It's like, oh, we like them. Uh let's see. Oh god. Band Lisa Stansfield. Technotronic. <laughs> Alright, this is this is the other one. This is the Band-Aid 2. Do 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 let me stop. <laughs> Oh, it, it kind of sounds like it. Oh, kind of sounds like what you were just doing. It's Christmas time. There's no need Is that Kylie Minogue? I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised she didn't do it by herself. There it is. It's like they don't know any other way. Let's see here. All right, so this is part two. Let's see who was singing. F- oh, oh, it doesn't list who's singing first. That, yeah. Ah, boo. Oh, yeah. It just it just lists. I'm pretty sure the first the first part that was Kylie Minogue. I was trying to look at the lyrics to see if it would say it. But it includes all their artists: Banana Rama, Big Fun, Bross, Jimmy Somerville. Kyle Minogue, Jason Donovan, D-Mob, Kathy Dennis. <laughs> Technotronic was on here somewhere. A lot of flavors of the month. Lisa Stansfield. Yep, like you said, Cliff Richard. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. But the original holds a place in my heart uh, because it took, it was, like a, it was like a journey, a long journey to find it, and I finally found it. All right. So that was, what number was that? Uh, that was number four. Okay, my number four. Um, this is considered a Christmas song mm-hmm. on many playlists I've seen. This is my favorite version of it. Um, I may have. 
played it on the show. Is it like Die time. Hard? No. Like you don't know if it's a Christmas song or not? No. <laughs> uh, it's the song My Favorite Things. Oh, that, this is a, that, I consider this a Christmas song. It gets played at Christmas. Uh, but it's the Outcast version. Okay. Uh, for anyone who has Speaker Box Love Below, this is on the Love Below. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know. I did. Andre play all the instruments. I forget uh, who what played. What kind of inspired this whole thing? I don't know. I think this is probably when. Uh, have you seen the Key and Pill sketch where it's like Outcast gets together and like Key is just weird for no yeah. reason? I feel like this is when he kind of realized that like they were not the same, going in the same direction anymore. Um, yes, I forget who played on this. I don't know if it was him that played or not. I was. It's funny because I was looking at the credits for this just last week because I was listening to Love Hater, <laughs> which is like my favorite song on that album because um, I thought he played on it, but he didn't. Someone else played piano on it. But I forgot about this song. I'll see track 17. What? Who was playing on it? I don't think it's some guy named Ken or something like that. I don't know. He does sample the, it, uh, I guess the saxophone part is from the John Coltrane version of My Favorite Things. Um, okay, there's Pete Novak who was involved with the recording. Um, people with recorded, recording assistance. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he just decided to remix it. Oh, Gary Harris plays the saxophone. Um, yeah, that, ooh, that piano's good. I wish I could play piano like that. I really do. Uh, Aaron Mills plays the bass. Uh, Kevin Kendrick. Kevin, yeah. not yes, Kenny, he, Kevin. Yes, he plays piano. He's playing piano. It's good stuff. I feel like, though, this is when they realized... They're just, they're different, you know? There's nothing on Big Boy's side of the album that was like this. Um, and I just imagine, like, <laughs> Andre bringing, like, you know, they're not involved in the process. They're just kind of bringing what they're doing to each other. Yeah. And he's just like, what is this? <laughs> like, I mean, everything's credited. All the singles were credited as Outkast, not yeah. as, you know, them separately. Um, they did one song each. Together, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but it's like yeah. he did so little rapping on this album. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just like they were just you know, and I, and I mean I don't want to go into it too long because I feel like this album in itself is just a conversation. Yeah, this I mean this album itself is an episode. Like it was, the older I've gotten, the more I realized this was. Everyone should have seen it, but this was the disillusion of Outcast. They just were they weren't the same. I mean, but, well, I mean, it started because they, okay, I don't want to get too far yeah, into it, yeah. <laughs> but it was, they said it was too easy recording together. It yeah. was too easy. That's why they made the double album. But then after that, okay, what else is there to do? Yeah. So, yeah. But That's, no, this, uh, that'll be a future episode. Yeah. But th this song is a great song. Have you ever heard, um, Vertical Horizon? They do a version, they do this song. So they do a cover of Fast Car. Then they do their song, Wash Away. And then Matt Scannell plays like this long solo, and then he starts playing the melody to this song. Hmm. 
And like it takes people a few seconds to pick up on it, and then they, and then everyone starts. These are a few. Like they all start singing along. Like that's how powerful this melody is. <laughs> like it's it's one of those recognizable instantly you pick up on it. So recognizable that Ariana Grande felt the need to sample it. <laughs> all right, um, let's go to your number three. All right, so these are the three big ones. Not a big holiday music fan. But these are the big ones right here. First one, this is probably the only one I've ever covered. Oh, Holy Night by Hey Monday. My favorite version of the song I've heard thus far, other than the one that I know Greg knows I'm thinking. <laughs> you have to go into the uh, the depths of the Internet yeah. to, to find it. But, but if anyone finds it, uh, let us know. <laughs> So, um, story time. When I was a sophomore, I believe, at West Georgia, when they were still doing open mic night at um, Mellow Mushroom. Mushroom. Shout out to Mellow Mushroom. And and I don't even know if it's still open anymore, actually. I think they they tore it down. That one? Yeah. Oh. They tore it down. Um, George, who hosted it, had a rule for the holidays. You had to, during your set, you had to do at least one holiday song, one Christmas song. And you couldn't say that you didn't know one because he had a book of lyrics and music. <laughs> so, because I was like, I don't know. Oh, okay, here we go. And I know this was a song that I've, I've always liked. Um, so I opened up to that. And I, if I remember correctly, Matt was there. Matt and some of his friends, because I didn't really know Matt at the time. Matt Graff, who was in our last episode about Billy Idol, he was there. <laughs> and I did this song, and I just prayed to God I was in the, I was in the right key. Because <laughs> it's a song that, like, is really hard to sing. It's just as a song that I love and I just know, you know, melody wise and everything. And so I did it and it was it turned out well when I got to the the high part. I was good. It was in the key that I was comfortable with. Apparently, like I said at the beginning, I didn't know. So we just tried it and it worked. Um, And that's one of the like, I think one of the only times I've ever sang a Christmas song in public. Hmm. Yeah, this is it. Like, I love this song. And I love their version of it. Cassidy Pope, you know, of course, great singer. Um, she was a contestant on The Voice because they don't care. <laughs> like you said, it's about the host. Yeah. They're like, I've had a record deal before. Eh, just come on. It doesn't matter, you know. Like, I've seen at least three separate artists on there <laughs> that have had record deals. And it's just like, no one cared. Hell, the first, the season one winner was a signed recording artist who had released previous material, Javier Colon. Yeah. Under the name Javier, had a video and everything. They don't care. As long as Gwen and Blake and Pharrell and Usher and Adam get their time. And John Legend and yeah. oh, Kelly he's on Clarkson. There now? Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. As long as they get their time, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. John Mayer could go in there. Ah, that's cool. Come on, John. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. My number three. Um, it's another one from the Vince Guaraldi trio. Nice. And uh, it's called Linus and Lucy. So you've never seen... I've never seen Charlie Brown. I've never seen Charlie Brown Christmas. I mean, I haven't either, but it's just... I mean, you love the music. I just... Yeah. You should see it. You should well, see it. Well, I guess. I'll give it a chance. I'm pretty sure you can find it somewhere for the low, low. <laughs> uh, it's... I know they didn't do it for Halloween. Either, they didn't show the Halloween special on TV this year. But it was streaming. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if they're not showing a Charlie Brown Christmas this year, but I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. I'm sure it is. It'll too. be easy to find. I've only um, seen one movie by him though, so don't feel bad. I've only seen <laughs> Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown, which is yeah, it's just not even one of those. So, uh, but the 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 scene where uh, Schroeder is playing the song. Or that what I what I see that what you should everyone should visualize is Schroeder playing the song, and then everyone else doing their own little dance. Yeah, oh, it's great. <laughs> um, I don't know the context in which this song was played, but it's a, um, it's it's one of those. It's a jazz standard or a, mm-hmm. a bop, if you. Yes, will. yes, we gotta. Appeal to the young people out there. <laughs> this one's a bop, young people. Um, it slaps. But yeah, another another one of those songs that you know it it should remind you of of Christmas or at least a Charlie Brown Christmas or whatever. Um, it should be it should put you in the in the in the Christmas spirit at least. All right, so that's my number three. Ben, what you got for number two? All right. I feel like I'm about to get laughed at, but it's okay. Um, I think I heard this back at West Georgia. I can't remember. Um, it's a classic, a cover of a classic. Um, <clears throat> I'm embarrassed. Uh, last, last Christmas by Ashley Tisdale. There, I said it. There, I said it. I have listened to this song. I listen to this year round. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen to this in August. I'll listen to this in March. I love the arrangement. It's more electronic, dance electronic, um, dance pop or whatever. Um, I love inversions. So you heard the first inversion right there. So when you have your inverted chords, so like, you know, let's say a standard, you know, a standard C triad is C, E, G. If you want to play uh, C over E, so like sometimes in sheet music, you'll see C slash E. That means you're playing a C chord with an E in the bass. It works as a really nice passing tone if you're trying to, you know, have a nice, uh, a good chord progression. This song utilizes inversions. So I don't, I don't know which chord it is that, because I've never played it before, but there's inversion that just gives it this really nice feel to it that I really, really like. I've not heard another version of this song ever do it. And it is literally the reason I like the song. It's because of that inversion it throws in there. Very similar to, have you heard um, the version of uh, um, Free Fallen by John Mayer that he does from um, Where the Light Is? No, I haven't. So he does that too. He throws an inversion. So like that song goes from like E major to A major, back to E major to B major. And on that, um, on that E major, he throws in he puts a, uh, I think he plays a, it's a B in the bass instead of a, um, yeah, no, a G in the bass, E, G, B. So he plays a G in the bass instead of an E. And it sounds really cool. And it's, you know, yeah. So, but yeah, I just, I just love this version of this song. It's, it's a little more upbeat than the original version. You know, it kind of has that house kind of, you know, I just love it. I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, it's made going back to listen to the original a little bit easier because I wasn't a big fan of the original. And then I heard this one. I was like, oh, okay. Weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I, you, Ashley Tisdale, for introducing me to Wham. <laughs> was there, like With the Wham version, um, I think it was last year, 
they re-released the video in 4K. Like the song came out in 1984. Like how do you how do you turn that VHS tape into 4K? Like I don't I don't get it. So apparently, <laughs> this is what I've heard because I I often would ask that question. Apparently, they had the ability to film it like that, just not the ability for it to be shown like that. So that's why you have a lot of stuff that can be post-converted. So it's not going to be like super like detailed, but like the aspect ratio and certain details that couldn't be shown back then can be shown now, and that's how they're able to do it. Because I used to wonder, that's like, how do you release in Citizen Kane in 1080p, bro? <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And it's just like, oh, no, we just didn't have a way to show it back then right, in right, 1080p. Right, okay. Yeah, that's a how true that is, I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> my number uh, two is um, it's on every black person who makes a Christmas playlist. This should be included. And it's This Christmas by Donny Hathaway. Oh, yeah. Not that Chris Brown stuff. <laughs> Have you heard the Macy Gray version of it? No. It's off. Don't listen to it. It's awful. At the end, she's just like yelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a good track, though. Um, With this song, this is, like I said, this is in every black household. Uh, for a lot of people, it's the only... Donny Hathaway song they actually know. Which is sad, because Donny Hathaway is a really good singer. Yeah. And um, this is one of the main ones that we know of, probably the biggest one written by a black person, I guess, other than um, the ambiguous Mariah, the racially ambiguous Mariah Carey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... Well, she had a black mother in Glitter, so... <laughs> Which we have an episode about. Go back and check it out. Yes. <laughs> I'm mixed. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> that girl, she was white at the beginning of that movie. That, that was a white girl. That was a white that girl a with a tan. <laughs> like a female Daniel Gallinari. Shout out to the Hawks. <laughs> um, so the <laughs> there have been so many covers of this song. Um, and almost any black person you know. Uh, even a few white people have been sprinkled in to do this song. But The Whispers, The Temptations, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Patti LaBelle, uh, Alexander O'Neill, Usher, Drew Hill, SWV, Destiny's <laughs> Child, Macy Gray, uh, Aretha Franklin, Mary J. Bly, CeeLo. Jordan Pruitt? Uh, but also Train. Um, Train? Christina Aguilera, Harry Connick Jr., Chicago, Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, we claim, I, I, I feel like we kind of claim Harry Connick Jr., if you've ever heard him talk. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> just New Orleans. Chicago, yeah. <laughs> Chicago is dope. Um, Jordan Pruitt, that's weird. She's like a Disney chick that just didn't really make it. Huh, that's, this uh, is Daz Seal, Band, what? <laughs> Daz Band, the Braxtons, Neo, John Legend. Someone get corn. Of course, his daughter, Layla Hathaway, did it. Someone get corn to do a version. There's just... Let's just bring this thing full no, circle. Corn. <laughs> Might as well get Limp Biscuit. Don't tempt him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's my number two. I could totally see him doing that, too. <laughs> this Christmas. And there was also, of course, a movie that surely was named after the song. Yes. Um, in which the aforementioned Chris Brown did a cover of... Um, 
Was that the video where he's like in the cul-de-sac kind of dancing around? I, I, I have not seen the video. I can't I've remember. only seen the movie. You've seen the movie? Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's called This of... Christmas. It's got Chris Brown, Ray Monique Devine. Not Monique. That's um Almost Christmas. Okay. This Christmas has um Delroy Lindo, Idris Elba. Two uh, British actors. <laughs> I don't think and I don't think people know Delroy Lindo is British. I don't think people know uh, that. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sharon Leal, Lauren London, Columbus Short. Oh wow! Okay, Columbus. Okay, okay. Regina King. Yeah, Regina King. Yep. Or or uh, uh, Laz Alonzo plays Jessica Stroop. Is that the Jessica Stroop? Okay, so she clearly had to be cast as the white wife of someone. Yes. She is Silver in Nine Hundred Two One Zero. That's who Jessica Stroop is. Who ends I never up watch the show? Yeah, she ends up being um, literally crazy. Like she has mental. Problems. She was, uh, huh? David David Banner. Yeah, David Banner's in it. Yeah, Ricky Harris. Who's Ricky Harris? I know that name. Uh, he's a comedian from Everybody Hates. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll go and watch this. I was it's like, on Netflix if y'all want to see it. As soon as I saw Jessica Shrewman, I'm like, oh, she's somebody's white wife. She's meant to stand out. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, we are. Uh... Are we up against it? Got a little bit more time. Okay. okay. So we can get this done in like 15 minutes yep. or less. Okay. Number one. Number one. Go. Um, this one, um, my wife hates this song because I think she thinks it's depressing. <laughs> it's meant to be depressing. It's supposed to make you think at Christmas. It is Happy Xmas. War is over. And it is the only song I like by John Lennon. I do not like anything else he's ever done. This is the only song I like by him. If he wrote more like this. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, mean yeah. he didn't write like this all the time and and record it like this with the double vocals. So the writing style, I don't know. I think maybe it's just because it's in a, you know, a six, eight, three, four feel. Maybe that's why I like it. Um, but yeah, the slapback echo vocals. Yeah, that's a that's a Beatles John Lennon trademark right there. Oh, what might also make this different. It was co-produced by Phil Spector. Oh, Phil Spector's good. Phil Spector's good. As a producer. As a producer. Oh, yeah. No, as yeah, producer. Don't, don't cancel us. Of, <laughs> as a producer. <laughs> okay. um, Phil Spector, if I remember correctly, did the Let It Be album, um, which had some really good stuff. Good. You know, even even the stripped down version of it's good, but his, yeah, but I'm um, getting away from this song. But yeah, this song is really good. It's one of those songs that really kind of makes you think at Christmas time. Maybe people don't like to think at Christmas time. I don't know. But it's just kind of one of those songs that just makes me retros- you know, reflective at Christmas and, you know, grateful for everything that I have. One of the, you know, one of the issues I do have with Christmas is how commercialized it's become, and the fact that over ten years ago I predicted that we would start having Black Month instead of, like I said, it would go from Black Friday to Black Week to Black Month, and we are here. <laughs> yep, that's where we are, man. So for me, Christmas to me is is about, and I guess that's why I like Thanksgiving so much because. Thanksgiving is more about family and togetherness and being grateful, which is what I felt like Christmas kind of started out as. (laughs) Um, And it's just not that anymore. And so songs like this kind of, it makes you think and it makes me grateful, grateful for my my wonderful podcast co-host and my wife, my family and all that stuff. So yeah, I like a song like this. And war is over. (laughs) So is the election. Anyway... 
And I still remember <laughs> Dave Chappelle. I wonder if, if he just likes this song, if he just likes the saying. He had a song said that said War is over if you want it. Um I forget where he where I saw him wearing it though. But he had that shirt on it and I want I want that shirt. I would love that shirt. <laughs> All right. We're getting we're at the number one. Number one. And um this is one of my favorite holiday songs in general. Uh, but this, I always, I, I can appreciate a good acapella version of a song. Oh, yeah. So this is Silent Night by Boys to Men. I thought you were going to say Pentatonix, bruh. I was going to yeah, be like, man, no, no. So we done, man. We done. Pentatonix <laughs> got like 12 Christmas albums. We don't need that. So this is a group I feel like that doesn't get... As much Christmas love as they should, yeah. Especially considering they've got this, they've got "Let It Snow," um, written by Brian McKnight. Yeah, really. Yeah, that makes so much sense. That makes I heard I knew I heard some Brian McKnight li- like vocal lines in there. <laughs> Man, yeah, no, they. I, I feel like they don't get enough credit though at Christmas. Do you know why? Why? Because the the it seems like the preferred version of Silent Night is by the Temptations. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, in our circles at least, and yeah. by our circles we mean black people. Black, yes. Black. Um, the Silent Night. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where the first lyric mm-hmm. isn't Silent Night, Holy Night. It's in my mind. <laughs> I want you to be free. <laughs> no one told y'all to add lyrics to Silent Night. <laughs> Merry Christmas <laughs> from the Temptations. <laughs> Maybe that's what boys meant. Merry Christmas from boys to men. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just, they are, I don't know if boys to men gets the appreciation that they should as far as what they can do vocally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way they transcended R&B and hip hop. I mean, their first album is New Jack Swing. Mm-hmm. And then the second album is more pop with ballads, mm-hmm. which could cross over. Yeah. Um, Courtesy of one Mr. Babyface. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what they, this is showing off what they actually can do. This yeah. is what they grew up And doing. every album they had had a acapella song on it. Yes. Um, and I felt, I never felt like they were not comfortable doing it. I would love to hear some of their master recordings, like some of the vocal tracks. Because I'm pretty sure under all that all that production, they probably had really solid vocal harmonies, but they're just covered up until they do something like this, you know. So yeah, I do feel like it was a staple, and I think, not saying that they created this sound, <laughs> but I feel like a lot of the boy groups, you know, that came after them were probably looking to them when they did, whenever they did, like In Sync would do it, yeah. Nine Eight Degrees would do it, Backstreet Boys. Yeah, they're probably looking at boys to men. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if they get enough credit for it, but I'm sure they're okay with that because I'm sure they, hopefully they save their Cooley High Harmony money and their Well, they, two they just money. came out with, a, I guess, like a, I don't know if it's a remix or a re-recording of mm-hmm. Let It Snow. Okay. Uh, with Brian McKnight on the song. Nice. Okay. He, he wrote the, he wrote it, of course. So, uh, yeah, they, they re-recorded it and people, people like it. That's good. I don't know the difference, really. But <laughs> they they re-recorded it. Uh, so, yeah, that will do it for our list, Because Five Holiday Songs. Um, you can find the list on Spotify. 
just search BTTYHT because five holiday songs. I know that's a lot, but you'll find it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we'll get to my earworm of the week. Um, lately, I've been listening to um, another subgenre, probably originating from the UK, called acid jazz. Oh, I like acid jazz. <laughs> well, eh, I don't. I mean, I, I like what I think is acid jazz. Let's say that, like the brand new heavies. I like them. Speaking of the brand new heavies. Oh, snap. <laughs> my earworm of the week is uh, a little song called Dream On Dreamer. Okay, that's what's up. From their album Brother Sister. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to play it right now. And we'll be right back. Dream On Dreamer. All right, that is Dream On Dreamer by the Brand New Heavies from their album Brother Sister. You can find that song along with our other earworms, every one we have ever played except for that one song. <laughs> uh, you can find that on Spotify right now, uh, B-T-T-Y-H-T, Earworms, and uh, you can listen to what we've been listening to over the last four years. So um, that'll bring us to the end of the program. Uh, ben, you don't have to tell people where they can find us because they should know, right? All I'm going to say is, let's go Hawks. Yes, the Hawks did win. Go check us out, people. If you're not a Hawks fan, you should be. You're missing out. <laughs> the Hawks did win uh, tonight. And uh, yeah, it's preseason, though. Hey. Still counts. It's a, a win is a win, baby. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what we could end the show with. Um, uh, how about have yourself a merry little Christmas? I think that works because I don't know if we're going to have another episode before then. <laughs> I was going to say, if not the Hanukkah song. <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. Put I'm good on, on your yarmulke. I'm good on that. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to play Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. We're going to play sh- some Frank Sinatra. Frankie. Chairman of the board. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon. And if it's after Christmas, Merry Christmas. And if it's after the new year, have a Merry New Year. Mm-hmm. Peace. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> have yourself 
A merry little Christmas Let your heart be light From now on Our troubles will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay From now on our troubles will be miles away Happy golden days of yore Faithful friends who are dear to us Gather near to us once more Through the years we all will be together If the fates allow Hang a shining star Upon the highest bar